are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 60. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Deep breath. Let's start this episode off a little bit more calmly than I normally do. (laughs) We are entering in, um, for me, week five of the quarantine. It's going to be really interesting in the future when people come back and they check out my podcast from the, you know, I call it the archive. It's just wherever your app is putting them. It's all one big list. Um, even other people's podcasts that I listen to, so many of us are referencing the coronavirus, COVID-19, and the quarantine. And this is very much a little mini time capsule because so many of us are living it now, but so many more of us are going to find these episodes in the future and they're going to be able to go back to when they were going through this quarantine and be able to look back at their mindset, how they were physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and be able to really take a moment to reflect about where we are now versus where they will be then. And if you're listening to this six months or a year into the future, do that, you know, Think about where you were back during this time period and how much uncertainty there was and how much more certainty, let's hope, there is in the world as you're listening to this on whatever day that might be. And I'm going to be doing a future episode on the six human needs again. I believe that was episode three or four is when I first referenced those. I recently had some more great ideas about the six human needs as taught by Tony Robbins. And I'm going to go back into that in the future. And I think I'm going to start pumping out these podcasts a little bit faster than one a week because I've been having some really great ideas. And whenever I have these moments of clarity about where I want the show to go or the topics I want to discuss, generally I'll take some notes down and I'll leave it until it's time to shoot the episode on Monday for the Tuesday release. I find that the energy can get lost if I don't get on the microphone and just speak my truth when it comes out. Some of the things that occurred over this week that I want to discuss before we get into limiting beliefs, and the reason we're going to be talking about these self-imposed self-imposed limitations that we're putting on ourselves is because I very much so want to do an episode about what you're going to be looking forward to doing during this quarter, during this three-month stretch, April, May, and June, um, and what are some of the goals that you can put put in front of yourself that might seem impossible. So many people will take opportunities like this quarantine to pick up a new task, a new hobby, learn something new, get a new certification, whatever that might be. And other people will almost use this as an excuse not to do that and sit in front of the TV and listen to quarantine coverage on the 
myriad of news channels that will just sit there and pump your head full of nonsense. Um, it'll happen however it happens. And knowing exactly how many people died today or how long you might not be able to go to the hairdresser isn't going to help you, right? Me and my close inner circle, most of us don't do the news on television. We'll get our Huffington Post or LA Times or you know Facebook. <laughs> the point is, is that I want you to be setting yourself up to accomplish something great if that's what you want to do. Right, we're in addiction recovery because we're looking to uplevel our lives. So setting amazing goals is a good idea. And the way I break my year down is by quarters because that's what a business would do. You know, there's four quarters in a year, three months per quarter, right? You get why it's called that. So I don't need to go into, you know, some Bloomberg kind of <laughs> spiel about why businesses do that. And the back end of the first quarter was March when the quarantine started. And we're going to be dealing with this for at least until June. Even as they start to open up businesses, it's going to be slow and it's going to be, you know, brought out. And at any point, our number could jump up. Our curve could not go from the flattened state that it's becoming, right? And all hell could break loose and we could all get locked in our houses even worse the next time. So we're going to start talking about limiting beliefs because we want to start setting ourselves up for the next episode when we talk about achieving an impossible goal, achieving something that we don't think that we can, and always keeping in mind that what you consider possible, someone else may consider impossible. Your background, your perspective on life is going to be completely different than even your twin, right? Even than your siblings who live in the same house. So just because you think it's possible doesn't mean that somebody else does. And just because you think it's impossible doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't think that it's possible. So it's your own perspective. No one's right. No one's wrong. There is no right and wrong in this. It's what you think you're capable of versus what you should know you're capable of. And this is where limiting beliefs come into play because we're going to be lining ourselves up for episode 61, which is going to be about impossibility. Now, before we get into that, there's a couple of things that came up this week that I put into the top of my show notes that I want to make sure that I cover um, I got into a, a little bit of a conversation on Instagram about um, sobriety programs, and I got triggered emotionally because it seemed the way I took it was that someone was basically saying that if you're not in AA, then you're not diving deep, and you're not really trying in your addiction recovery, right? And I think it's ex extremely important. Please take this to note. Take this to note on so many aspects of your life, not just what program you're in, but that it is, it is not up to you to decide if what somebody else is doing in their program is right or wrong. It is not for you to tell somebody else that if they're not doing your program the way you're doing it, that they are not diving deep that they are subject and possibly looking down the road to a relapse and that they are doing it wrong. There, from the beginning of this show, I have stated that I am merely a compendium, an addition to whatever program that you're doing. Right? I will not ever be the only thing. There will be other books and other websites and there will be other things, other shows. There will be meetings that you're attending, whatever that might look like. You take all of that and you're throwing it into this gigantic pot and it's called you stew. 
Y-O-U stew. It is your stew. It is you stew. Whatever it is, you're the one who's dipping your finger in it as the process of cooking it goes along. You're the one deciding if it's working for you. And to come and tell somebody else that their program isn't diving as deep, isn't as meaningful, is not going to keep them sober and in addiction recovery long term, is nearsighted, it's arrogant, and it is definitely not following my three main triumvirates of my sobriety, which is integrity, humility, and gratitude. You cannot be humble when you're telling somebody else that they're doing something wrong. You cannot be grateful for your own addiction recovery program if you're rubbing it in somebody else's face. And you cannot have integrity as a fellow human towards somebody else if you're telling them that what they're doing in their addiction recovery program isn't right and is going to lead them to relapse. That is absolutely, positively not the message that we need to push. I could easily Google AA, Refuge Recovery, Smart Recovery, Kaiser Permanente, anybody else who has addiction recovery programs, all of those addiction recovery facilities that exist out there. I could easily Google any of them and find data that proves that there is a higher chance of relapse than there is of staying sober and getting into addiction recovery with them. Because the odds are that your first one, two, three, four takes on this may not stick. Right? That's just statistics, though. Our lives, we're human. We don't have to follow statistics. We choose. What determines if your program is going to work for you? Discipline, determination, courage. Basically, my seven key principles, right? Develop a growth mindset, cultivate courage, be decisive, take action, embrace discipline, exercise flexibility, embody tenaciousness. What's going to determine if your program is going to work for you is going to be your ability to grow within it, to be determined to see it through, to be disciplined in the face of many a trigger and many a craving, to be flexible in how you go about it on a day-to-day basis, and to show up as your best self every single day. Right? Play it to the credits, guys. I've said this so many times. Right? Play it to the credits. You want to have a drink? What's that look like tomorrow? What's that look like next week, next month? One beer today may not send me down the path of destruction, but I can assure you it is definitely going to start the momentum train. For those of you who feel like maybe you're not as deep into your sober sobriety and your recovery mission, just remember that you made it sober today. And that's a motherfucking win, guys. It is a win. If you were white-knuckling it, okay. You still made it through another day. We'll work on the white-knuckling, but you made it through another day. And there was a time in your life you did not think you could make it five minutes. So don't take on somebody else's mindset about your program. Don't take on somebody else's emotions, whether they're about your program or about you or about their life or what's going on with the quarantine. It doesn't matter. Somebody else's emotions are their emotions. They're not yours. You do not have to take them on. That's codependency. And that is not what we talk about being a favorable action in addiction recovery. You do not want to be codependent on somebody else. You don't want them to take on your emotions so that it what somehow justifies the way you feel. That's, that's not emotional maturity. Any more than you want to take on theirs to show empathy, sympathy, compassion, whatever that might look like. 
You can hug someone. You can be there for them. But because they're crying doesn't mean you have to cry. Because they're having a crappy day doesn't mean you have to have a crappy day. Because they're drinking in the house while they're on quarantine and you have to be around that doesn't mean that you have to drink in order to somehow um, equalize what's going on in their life to what's going on in yours. I have one person on Instagram I've been talking to uh, back and forth, and she's living in a house with a father who is drinking and drinking too much. And it's been tough, and it's been a struggle, um, I think, just being in that sphere. But most importantly, she hasn't relapsed, that she gets through it that she reads a book or she listens to me or she listens to somebody else or she goes to a meeting, whatever it might look like, right? Because it's her journey. His journey is his journey, not hers. His emotions are his emotions, not hers. How can something help you like alcohol or drugs but also hurt you? Something can't be helpful and hurting at the same time. I learned this whenever I read a book called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking by somebody named Carr, I believe. And he talks about how, how is a cigarette? He's like, think about the rationale, the thought process we have around a cigarette. When we, are, when we want to relax, we, we reach for a cigarette. If you're a smoker, um, when we want to, when we're stressed out, we want to reach for a cigarette. When we're happy and want to celebrate, we reach for a cigarette. When we're sad and feel down, we reach for a cigarette. How can one item be there for you when you are stressed out, when you want to relax, when you want to be happy, or you want to be sad? It's, it's, it's mentally we have somehow justified it, but in the real world, it doesn't work that way. And that's the same thing with alcohol and drugs. When we want to celebrate, got to drink. When we're sad, got to drink. When we're extremely stressed out, got to drink. When we're like, man, everything is good. I'm totally relaxed right now. Got to drink. How can something possibly <laughs> cover all four of those when, when they're complete opposites of one another? It can't. And then what, this is what we're going to be talking about limiting beliefs today. So I've went about half of the show. <laughs> Maybe this is going to go a little longer than 30 minutes. But I just think it's important that we understand that whatever you're doing for yourself during this quarantine to stay sober and to get your addiction recovery going and to continue on your journey is good. Whatever that looks like, it is good for you. And when you get into these Zoom meetings or you, however it is that you're going to recovery meetings now, it is extremely important that you don't come off as this condescending bastard who thinks that your way is the only way. I am one of, of the people who will say, well, if I think it's right, it sh- everybody should think it's right. Trust me. <laughs> I've got people very close to me who are like, when you're told that your way isn't the only way, you tend to snap a little bit. And, and, I, and I'm, I'll admit it, I do. I do, because I'm over here working my ass off, and I'm seeing all the benefits and, and all the great things that come from it. And I'm like, well, man, if everybody just did it my way, everything would be great. Now, I logically know that that's not true. I logically know that not everybody can take every little piece that I have, put it into their puzzle, and have it fit exactly. But it's whenever I hear people doing it one way that clearly isn't working for them, and then they're not even willing to think about doing it a different way. They just keep banging their head on the wall over and over and over again, thinking eventually they'll break through. That's when I get frustrated. That's whenever I'm like, okay, at least try my system. (laughs) At least try it the way I'm doing it.
And this really segues well into limiting beliefs. Because when you think about your limiting beliefs, to be clear, what a limiting belief is, is it's this programming that we have inside of ourselves that has been put into us from the womb on up that tells us what we are and are not capable of doing in our lives. When we are children, we don't understand the word, I can't do that. I can't do that is taught to us by adults. When we're little kids, we think we, we can put a cape on the, uh, around our neck and jump off of a couch and fly. Now, gravity eventually tells us that we cannot fly. So in this analogy, gravity would be the parent. Yes, some things we cannot defy the laws of physics. But it, when it comes to a child, when we're like, hey, I want to learn the guitar. I, I want to I learn to roller skate. The response we get back from our parents, the, the response we get back from our primary child caregiver is going to determine whether we think we can or whether we cannot. Because we look up to these tall creatures who feed us and give us warmth and hug us when we're sad and laugh with us when we're happy. We don't know any better. So we're taking on these subliminal messages that they give us from the time that we're like I said, goo goo gaga, all the way up till we can start to think for ourselves. But the t- by the time we can think for ourselves, they've already programmed us to believe that we can or can't on so many different things. The only thing that determines what you can do and what you can't do and what you can accomplish and what you cannot accomplish is you. My very first principle for the College Success Habit book that's coming out in about a month is develop a growth mindset. The reason why it's number one is because if you can develop a growth mindset, all the other principles fall into place. They're in order for a reason. Developing a growth mindset will help you break through the limiting beliefs that you've had programmed into yourself by others. And then by the time you became 14, 15, up into your teen and 20s, you started to either um, create a loop that proved those limiting beliefs or you started to slowly but surely break your way through them. Letting something external determine your worth or your trajectory is a limiting belief. I can't have that job because I was born of the of a different race than the, the people who normally have that job. I can't play that sport because I'm not this, that, or the other. I have somebody very close to me who played volleyball, and she is short. She wasn't the person jumping up and spiking the ball, but she played on a college volleyball team. And college volleyball teams are not easy to get onto. Right? If she'd have let her height dictate whether she could or could not, she would never have played on that volleyball team. Limiting beliefs are things we mistakenly hold as truths about ourselves. For so many of us, a limiting belief could have been, I can't be sober. I cannot handle my life without alcohol or drugs in it. Letting something external determine your worth or your trajectory being a limiting belief is, well, all my other relatives were alcoholics or drug addicts, so therefore I am too. Because addiction is in my DNA, that means I have to be an addict. My brother proved that one wrong. He's never suffered from addiction. He's always drank like a quote-unquote normal person. 
Letting, letting something external determine your worth or your trajectory is a limiting belief. If you have a fancy car and you think that your, your self-worth is tied around that fancy car, that's a limiting belief. And you'll pay the price for it when that fancy car goes away. And now all of a sudden, what are you going to hang your hat on? What are you going to hang your self-esteem on if that fancy car, that fancy house, or that fancy job go away? I know that when fancy things leave our lives, a lot of the times, that's what can send somebody down the path of addiction. And now what are they going to do? Some of you are a lot harder to earn back that fancy thing if you're always drunk and on drugs. The only thing that determines what you can and cannot do, the only thing that determines what you can and cannot accomplish is you. Yes, there, I cannot be an NBA basketball player. I am 43 years old. I have bad knees. I'm not that good of a shot. I'm certainly not fast or strong compared to whatever the weakest basketball player is in the NBA. I could not. I probably could not keep that guy from scoring 40 points on me for 48 minutes. Could I keep him from scoring once? Probably. Right? So I so I, I and I only bring this up in jest, but also to just reel in wherever your imagination goes trying to prove what I just said wrong. Yes, the my age will determine the fact that I will not be an NBA player. But that's also some pretty dumbass real that that's just a dumbass thing for me to try to set down as a goal. I want to play for the NBA. Okay. <laughs> I wanna I wanna win Wimbledon. Okay. I haven't picked up a tennis racket in twenty three years. <laughs> So there, there is a, such a thing as a limiting belief, and then you're just being an asinine, okay? So let's just keep that over there. If, but if one of your uh, thoughts is that um, I can't run a successful business, I can't go off and get a better job, I can't have deep, connected relationships with my family, I can't um, build muscles, right, because I was an addict or because I don't see anybody else in my family who has these things, that's a limiting belief, in my late 20s, I remember my friend Pridmore telling me that he thinks, he said, Jesse, I think that if you started going to the gym, you'd stop drinking so much and your drinking is getting out of control. And I remember my response back to him was is that I can't grow muscles. I have my dad's body and my dad doesn't have muscles. I was like, my uncle and my brother, they have muscles, but that's because they have the DNA. I, my DNA will not allow me to build muscles. I had never gone into a gym and even tried for you know longer than a week or two, but I had never stuck to a program for six months, a year, five years, ten years. After a few months of, of dragging me into that gym, kicking and screaming, I started to see a change in my body that I did not know was possible. That was probably, looking back at it, one of the, the limiting beliefs that I held on to the strongest, mainly because I just didn't want to put in the effort to go to the gym, eat healthy, and monitor my drinking. As long as I believed I couldn't build muscles, I wouldn't have to stop drinking so much. Because if I knew I could build muscles and all it took was eating better, sleeping better, and drinking less, then I would have no one to blame for my lack of muscles but myself. I determine how my body looks, feels, and functions. But that's not how I thought back then. Where in your life do you have a limiting belief dictating to you what it is that you can and cannot accomplish. These limiting beliefs, as they implant themselves into us at a young age, and as they, they cement themselves into our minds, they become the identity we cling to. 
we believe these lies about ourselves, and then we take, we steal an opportunity to better ourselves before we even tried. You're choosing the reality that you live in every second of the day. And unfortunately, so many of us, not just in addiction recovery, but humans in general, we latch onto these limiting beliefs because honestly, releasing them means that we have to do a lot of hard freaking work. We have to do a lot of hard freaking work. We have to finally realize that we have to get out of our own way. It took me years to become serious about my workout regimen. And I never really fully embraced it until I got sober. Because then the main hang-up, those 10, 15, 25-day-long benders where I was only sober long enough to go to the hotel job and not show signs that I was hungover or still intoxicated from the drinking in order to get to my car to drink that bottle of vodka underneath my car seat to drive the mile home so that I could sit on my front porch and drink more bottles of vodka so that I could wake up and do it all over again. Right When I took all that out of my life, now all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, now I'm ready to get out of my own way. What am I going to do to better myself physically? Well, might as well get into this workout thing more, start actually following a program, seeing it through. But I had latched on to, to the idea that I couldn't for so long. It became a, this story I believed about myself. And then the more I believed it, the more I just gave that story weight. Then you start doing it in other areas of your life. Because once you've accepted a limitation in one area of your life, it's gonna inevitably going to bleed over. Just like when you accept strength, In your life, just like when you accept responsibility for your choices, when you accept responsibility for your actions, when you realize that you determine the life that you lead, it bleeds in every aspect. Every aspect of your life starts to take on that mentality. When I go to the gym and I can't bench press more than my body weight, so I stick to it for three, four months, and next thing I know, I'm going from bench pressing, you know, 135 up to 210, and I've been able to accomplish this in half of a year, right? All of a sudden, I'm like, wow, if I just work my ass off and just stick with something. I mean, do you realize doing the chest exercises, that's once a week. You go in there, you sit down on, on the bench press, on the incline, and on the decline, depending on what you're doing that week, for maybe, maybe 20 minutes of the entire workout is spent putting up that heavy weight, that seriously heavy weight, and I'm only doing it once a week. So out of 168 hours, I only have to try to bench press my body weight or as much weight as I possibly can for 20 minutes. Now there's other tertiary, you know, these little secondary exercises you do to continue to strengthen the muscle. But to sit down and say, I'm going to put 185 on this bar and I'm going to lift it six, eight, and 10 times, reverse pyramid style, meaning the highest weight first, and then you lower a little bit, get eight. Lower a little bit, get ten. You could also flip it the other way. Uh, this isn't going to become this whole, you know, let's all go to the gym conversation. But I'm just trying to get you to visualize and and sense that how little of time it actually takes in a given week to make massive change in your life. You determine that you're going to do three sets. You have 185, 175, and 165, and you're going to take three minutes of rest in between the sets. It takes 12 minutes to do the flat. It takes 12 minutes to do the incline. 24 minutes of the heaviest freaking weight that you can 
Now you move on and you do some diamond push-ups or you're doing some, you know, some other things with cables. The, the point isn't to try to teach you how to grow chest muscles here. The point is to show you that out of 168 freaking hours in a week, I only had to push myself as hard as possible with the heaviest weight I could lift for 24 minutes of it. But you have to do that every single week for six straight months. So when you tell yourself that you can't speak as well as somebody else on stage or that you can't jump as high as somebody else on the basketball court or you can't be as strong as this person or you can't be as successful as this person, you can't have the nice car that this person has, that you can't have the relationships that you see other people have, when you tell yourself this, you are cementing the limiting belief into your mind and you are taking away the opportunity for you to spend 24 minutes a week making that better. Now, the time that you'll spend on these things, obviously, that's a variable that is determined only by you. I certainly can tell you that when you go see some of these people who are professional bodybuilders, they're probably spending an inordinate amount of time pushing weights that are beyond their capabilities on a regular basis because that's why they look like the Terminator times three. I don't want to be the Terminator times three. I just want to be a better version of myself. Only you know what it's like to push yourself to the max where there's nothing left. That's the point of those workouts, to push yourself to the max so that there's nothing left. That if somebody says, you need to get back down and you need to lift 185 one more time, that you're like, holy shit, I cannot. That tells you that you have pushed, pushed, and pushed. Having stronger connections with your family members, that might mean that, you know, Every day, you have to talk to them with a deep, meaningful conversation for an hour. One of my friends says that he and his wife can tell a noticeable difference if uh, every two days they don't sit down and at least have deep, meaningful conversation for 90 minutes straight. He's like, if we go that third day, we can, I can tell, she can tell, there is a disconnection between the two of us. Okay, it took them years to figure that out, but now they know 90 minutes every two days must have in order to maintain healthy relationship. Now, they can always do more but they definitely know they don't want to do less. You can always do more in the gym, but you definitely don't want to do less than incline, decline, 12 minutes each, max weight that you can lift. You can always do more, but you can't do less. This is the idea behind a limiting belief. These stories about our beliefs, about what your body can do, about what your mind can do, these are things that you took on. More than likely, other people implanted the seed that you couldn't do them, and then you just continued to let it grow, especially when you got into your 18s and your 20s. I was getting ready to say 18 to 25, because that's when your mind really begins to form itself. That's when the last like huge growth, right? We get, we get that body growth spurt that happens to us you know, in our early teens, but our minds don't grow into our bodies until we're 25. By that time, think about how many limiting beliefs you've taken on from other people. Uh, I can't have that job because I'm black. I can't have that job because I'm white. I can't do that because I'm a female. I can't do that because I'm a male. When other people implant limiting beliefs into you, and again, just off the top of my head, my theory for that would be that they don't want competition. <laughs> no one who's ahead of you is ever going to look back. No one with integrity who is ahead of you is ever going to look back and make fun of you for where you're at in your journey. 
if somebody thinks that they're not ahead of you, but they but they act like they are, right? Let's say that they're a month further along than you in their sobriety recovery, and they come back and they start telling you how you're doing things wrong, and they start making fun of how you're doing things, there's a really good chance that in their minds, they think that you're already ahead of them. So best to knock you back a, a couple pegs so that you're no longer their quote-unquote competition. In all of my life, when I have met millionaires, I have never had one of them tell me, you're a loser because you're not as rich as me. And I have met many a millionaire. And I'm not special for that. You've probably met many a millionaire. You just may not know it. But I am actually in a men's business club thing called Metal on Saturday mornings, Media Entertainment Technology Alpha Leaders. And this is an entire room full of very successful entrepreneurs. Not all of them, but a majority of them have struck million-dollar deals, have made a million dollars in a year. The ones who sit here and talk down to me about where they're at and what they've accomplished and where I should be at my age, those are the ones that that, that tells me right off the bat they have low integrity, they, they lack gratitude, they lack humility. That actually tells me that they are not ahead of me. And I'm not even in a race with them. But whatever they thought was going on, I can clearly tell based on their their tone, the way they, the words they use towards me, their body language, that they are not, and they know they're not. So best to kick me in the shin so that I slow down, because heaven forbid I actually figure out that I'm already ahead of them. And again, I'm not even in a race with them. <laughs> if there's anybody I'm in competition with, it's yesterday's version of Jesse. But certainly not Bob or Bills or Jims or James. I don't care. Do whatever you're doing, man. It has nothing to do with my life. You're in competition with your version of yourself from yesterday. And if somebody who is truly uh, a person of high integrity, they come across you and they find out where you're at in your addiction recovery or where you're at with your job, your career, your relationships, wherever it's at, if they truly... Um, feel confident in who they are and where they're at in their life, they will do nothing but offer you positivity and helpful hints and tips and suggestions and want to raise you up. Then promise you that. If they lack integrity, humility, and gratitude, they're going to do nothing but try to kick you back down that ladder. And if if they are strong within themselves, they are going to want to raise you up. When you're zero to seven years old, you are being imprinted and implanted upon by all of the world around you. These little things are being implanted into your brain. They're being imprinted onto your mind. Right? You're just absorbing them all. You're, I mean, this is why kids are constantly watching. It's why you can't get away with crap when it comes to kids. It's like they're always watching. It's like they get 75 eyes or something. I have no idea. They see the most random of things, and they always want to know why. From 7 to 14, you start to match and mirror. Oh, I saw them do it, so I'm going to do it. Well, I, why can't you? Know, how many times have you heard a kid? Well, well, little Johnny did it. Why can't I? Well, Johnny's dad did it. Why can't I? Say a cuss word in front of a kid, and it's like the newest big thing. They're like, F-D-F-F-F, F-D-F-F-F, F-D-F-F-F-F, F-D-F-F-F, right? <laughs> Especially if they know they're not supposed to be doing something. Now it's like, breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> Fight the power that be. I'm just running through songs right now. My point being is that by the time you get to 14 years old and you've already had all this imprinting and implanting and this matching and mirroring, how do you even know who you really are? 
if all you really are is this amalgamation, this, this, this gigantic them stew, right? You've just taken all this stuff on. It's from 14 to 25 that we really begin to take on our own identity and decide what we do and do not like about what we have been shown. But if we're doing alcohol and drugs from 14 to 25, then we're missing out on an amazing opportunity to really develop our full selves. And now we get into sobriety and recovery, probably well past 25. If you're blessed enough to be finding addiction recovery before 25, hallelujah to you. Because at 25, if you'd try to tell me to get sober, I'd be like, oh, you can go to hell. Fear of missing out and YOLO, uh-uh, FOMO, YOLO. Uh-uh. I have not seen the best, biggest party. I have not partied hard enough. There is more partying to do. We all decide that we're done partying at a different stage in our life. Point being is from 14 to 25, when we're supposed to be developing who we are, we're so busy adding in these chemicals that we don't really get to develop. This is why whenever I came out of addiction and got into sobriety and recovery, that my therapist would tell me, you're basically like a 17-year-old again. I've heard and read in my studies of psychology when I was taking in college and you know, well beyond now because of the internet, that you can often get stuck at certain um, age levels of when a trauma happened, you might be a tw- you might be a forty two year old, but if you were you know beat severely by a drunk parent with a with the metal part of a belt from five to twelve uh, for doing something, and then you do that something in your adult life, and somebody you know in your wife or husband, your partner scolds you for doing that, you can immediately snap back to when you were between five and twelve, and you were taking a beating for doing that activity. Right? You get stuck in these little trauma bubbles. And, and because we can have so many various traumas in our life, we have all these little trauma timeline bubbles, these little, um, what did I say at the beginning of this podcast, whenever you, like, uh, time capsules. So we have all these little time capsules of trauma. And anytime something happens, boom, right back. Go right back. It's like we're there again, taking on the belt, taking on whatever kind of, whatever, whatever kind of trauma came from whatever we experienced. Now we have a, a similar experience at, at our age now, boom, right back into the trauma bubble. Thinking that you will always have to go back into that trauma bubble when something happens is a limiting belief. And when you catch yourself having these limiting beliefs, it is extremely important that you stop and ask yourself, is this something I want to believe anymore? I'm always about action steps. And since we're going to be closing this up, I'm getting up on 40 minutes. It's important to, to note that how you break yourself from these limiting beliefs isn't like you got to go out and grab a pitchfork and a shovel and a backhoe and like completely dig up all the trauma. When you find yourself getting emotionally triggered, when you find yourself in these limiting belief circumstances, when you find yourself getting snapped back to these time capsule traumas, you can simply just ask yourself, do I want to believe this anymore? Do I want to believe this about myself anymore? Your foundation of your identity, who you think you are, puts these boundaries around you. And then these boundaries become what you think you can and cannot accomplish. And you have to start to challenge yourself. You know you can challenge yourself. You know there is a different way because you've already started to participate in this different way now. Thinking that because it happened once in the past is going to be how it is always going to happen in the future is 
like another definition of insanity. I mean, th- there are limits that are real. There are limits that are kept that have kept us alive. So you have to figure out which of these limits are there for survival and which have been fabricated by yourself in order to keep you safe, in order to keep the fear of failure, the fear of consequences, the fear of whatever it might be away. I believe that all limiting beliefs have their foundation in fear, just like I believe every single thing has its foundation in fear if it's something that holds us back. You have to start asking yourself and you have to start figuring out what do you believe? What about yourself do you believe and is it serving you any longer? Which of these beliefs have you created around yourself that have now become these unnecessary restraints that hold you back from accomplishing it? what it is you want in your life? If you want a better job, then go get a better job. Don't come at me with this while well, I've got two kids and a mortgage and a partner and a car payment and all these things. And if I try to leave my job, I won't be able to pay all these things off. If you want something badly enough, you will find a way to prioritizing it. You might only be able to put five hours a week towards that business you've always wanted to start. And because you have to maintain your other job. But that's it. But you know what? I'd rather put five hours a week into that and have it take a year or two to accomplish than sit here and say, well, because I have this job, I can't have that career, and therefore I'll never attain that. And then two years later, you're still at the same dead-end shitty job that you hate today, but you haven't put in those two years of five hours a week. 52 weeks times five, five, that's 20, it's 250, it's about 260. So that'd be 260 hours, just doing quick math in my head while trying not to leave dead air on the mic. So that's 260 hours uh, for a year, 520 for two years, 520 hours you you could put towards learning learning the guitar, starting your own business, getting that certification so that you can go get a different job. You will be so much further ahead if you dedicated 520 hours over two years towards something. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Second best time today. Limiting beliefs, guys. They are creating unnecessary restraints around yourself. And when we talk about impossible goals next week, and you start thinking about an impossible goal that you want to have for your career or yourself or your relationships, when you do an activity like I'm going to be asking of you on the next show, it is going to be limiting beliefs that you run up onto immediately as you start to write that list. You will literally not even write things on that list because you will you will th- go into it being like, oh, there's no way I can do that. So I'm not even going to put it on the list because I don't want to be disappointed in myself. Instead, I would ask you to be disappointed in yourself if you don't put it on the list. If you want to slam dunk a basketball and you're over the age of 50 and you got bad knees, put it on there. It may never happen, but it doesn't mean that if you go out and you don't start practicing jumping, whatever it might be, it doesn't mean that you couldn't touch the rim. If you can't touch the bottom of the net now, and then a year from now you could touch the rim, I would feel like that was a pretty damn good accomplishment. You need to deliberately know what you believe about yourself, and then you need to ask yourself why you believe it. And 
when you, if you go back and listen to some of my episodes about the life's blueprint, which is almost done, and I'm getting ready to launch that out to the recovery community soon. Go back to episode 36 and listen to life's blueprint. Um, to under then a lot of the episodes right after episode 36 were about certain spheres and uh, certain components of your um, sobriety and recovery. Basically, it's like episode 36. I haven't listened to that one in a long time, but I have no doubt based on what I like to talk about that it is a summary of my life coaching program. And it's what it's getting ready to come out. And I can't wait. I'm super excited. We'll be talking about that on an episode. You're going to be seeing some things about on Instagram about it. If you've ever been interested in having me coach you in a group setting, then this is an opportunity. If you've ever been interested in having me coach you on a one-on-one setting, then there's, there will be opportunities for that. For those of you who are interested in it, if you're not interested in it and you want to keep listening to the show, by all means, the show's always going to happen. I'll be doing this show for another 20 years. I'm down with it. I love this show. When I first came up with the idea of doing this, it was a limiting belief that I could keep up with doing this show every single week for an entire year. And I did miss some episodes, but I still kept with it. You have to go back and ask yourself, what do you believe about yourself and why do you believe it? You need to deliberately know these things. And then you need to ask yourself, basically separate the list from what you believe and the things you should keep or drop. What serves you and what no longer serves you. And be really mindful of knowing as you're thinking about these limiting beliefs about what you might think is still serving you just because you're afraid that if you release it, you'll have to do a lot of hard work. If nothing else, put it on the list and... If you decide that it's a ton of work and you don't want to do it, at least you know that. At least you know that about yourself. Maybe in a year you want to do the hard work. Maybe in a year your mindset around doing that hard work and getting that body you've always liked or reading that hard-ass book or getting that certification for a new job. Maybe a year from now you'll have grown. I know you're going to grow. You know you're going to grow because you've already grown a ton. Even if you've only been sober for one day, you've already grown a ton. Each day is just another ton. Before you know it, you've got 87,000 elephants around you. That's how much... You've changed that many tons. (laughs) But you have to know by writing things down, and you may not be able to think of them all right away. So keep a pad of paper. Keep a note in your iPhone or Android or whatever you use where you can think of a limiting belief. I don't think that I can have this job because. I don't think I can do this because. A lot of of these things are going to be based on your skin color, your gender, your background, um, what kind of parents raised you, what, all of these things. These are, these are the things that we were separated by through society at a young age. Well, you're male or female. Okay, got to like blue or got to like pink. Got to like Wonder Woman, got to like Superman. Black or white. Oh, you, you know, you're not going to have that job. Well, you're not going to be good at sports because you're white. Well, you're not going to be good at business because you're black. That's some bullshit. All things being equal, everybody be get, be, being given the same exact opportunity, with it, you're going to be able to accomplish whatever it is that you put your mind to. There are some people who just their life's journey is going to take them down a different path. Maybe they were smart enough to be able to, to start a business, but they like to work with their hands instead. I could have easily had an office job for these last 20-some-odd years that I've been in addiction recovery. But honestly, I like 
I like walking around. I like movement in my job. I like doing things with my hands. I love bartending and serving because I get to talk to people throughout the entire day. I get to do multiple things with my hands. I get to be pouring orange juice and making drinks and getting food out of the window and running it to the tables. Oh, you need some mayonnaise? Great. I got a list of 74 things in my head that I got to do in the next five minutes. And as I'm, as I'm getting them done, they're just like they're getting pushed off the list, but that's okay. Another thing just popped up and oh, that lady's mad. She needs more steak sauce. Oh, that's got to be one, but it should have been 17, but she's got to get her steak sauce now. And oh, I love all that. I love, I mean, you should see me in my room right now. I'm like moving back and forth real fast and my hands are all waving around. I look like I'm trying to bring in an airplane or something, but that's what I like. I don't want to be told that I should go off and get an office job so that when I tell people what my job is, they can be like, oh, wow, you're a systems administrator for, you know, Cisco's communication division. Okay, great. That doesn't give me a fulfillment. That doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't make me happy. If I work extra hard that day, I don't make any money, more money than I would have. Whereas if you're a bartender or server, if you work extra hard, a table might give you an extra little couple dollars. Right? I get to move around. I get to walk. I get to action. I get to be on my feet. Because that's what I like to do for me. It's not a limiting belief that I think that I couldn't do anything other than be a bartender or a server. I've worked in offices. I hated them. I never lasted very long because, you know, six months in, I'm just like, oh, my God, I, I, you know, like I'm getting told that I can't stand up at my desk. I'm being told that while I'm on the phone, I can't pace back and forth in my little five-foot cubicle. That's all I want to do is pace back and forth. I don't want to sit down. Nope, got to sit down. No music, no this, no that. Okay, you know what? This, yep, all right, this isn't serving me. I'm out. Get back to the truth that you are enough. Tap into the resources that you have gathered around you when you were when you were at your worst, when you were first getting into sobriety, but now that you're in addiction recovery. Tap into these things. Anything that you think that you cannot do, I can assure you, if you prioritize it, you can. If it's within the laws of physics, it can be done. I'm pretty sure that Elon Musk decided to say screw physics a couple times, and he's, he's accomplished some pretty cool stuff. There is nobody on this planet that thought you could launch a rocket into the atmosphere to launch something out further into space and then somehow maneuver that rocket back down on a pad floating in the ocean. You know how oceans are, right? They go up and down. (laughs) This guy is like, I'm going to shoot a rocket into the space, and then I'm also going to bring it back down and land it on this pad in the middle of the ocean. You know, it's going to be bobbing up and down by 20 feet, but I think I'm going to be able to pull this off. And time after time after time, he crashed those things into the ocean. Until one day, he didn't. And now, he doesn't crash them into the ocean way more than he crashes them into the ocean. 100% success rate is ridiculous. If you have a 100% success rate in something, then you're not pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. In baseball, you can hit the ball 3 out of 10 times and be considered a a million-dollar-a-year player. That's seven times you did not hit the baseball. That's that's pretty good. (laughs) You only have to to win, you only have to be successful 30% of the time, and you can make millions of dollars. What is going to get in your way? What do you need to figure out a way around? That is the questions we want to be able to find answers for next week when we talk about our impossible goals. So for this week's homework, 
I want you to seriously think about to yourself, what are some limiting beliefs you have around your career, you have around yourself, and you have around your, your, have around your relationships. If you go back and listen to episode 36, it will explain to you the life's blueprint. This will definitely help you a great deal, be able to figure out where your limiting beliefs are in all 12 quadrants of your life. You have three spheres, career, self, relationship. Each one of those spheres has four components, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. When you take three times four, you get 12. That is 12 rooms in your house of life. That's why it's called the life's blueprint. And you can be working on any one of those rooms at any given time. And in fact, the more rooms you're working on with any given activity, the more likely you are to stick with that activity and the more likely you are going to walk away from it feeling fulfilled and having done betterment for yourself. So go back, listen to episode 36, and then sit down and ask yourself, what are some limiting beliefs that you have? I did not mean for this episode to go so long. I appreciate all of you that have made it to this point. I, I definitely get a little rah, 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 um, soapbox cheerleadery. It's because I know so many of us are walking around carrying these limiting beliefs that are not ours, that were given to us by somebody else who had them about themselves, and they were given to them by somebody else who had that about themselves. And you see, it's just this long chain. It's like, I've got to be a drunk because my family was a, has a drunk in it. It's like limiting beliefs are being passed down by our, from our ancestors to us like they would a, a I don't know, fancy china or a watch. Politely decline that limiting belief moving forward. You gain a fresh perspective on yourself. It's like, have you ever gone on a vacation? You ever gone on a trip and you had one perspective about someplace and then when you got there, it completely shifted? That's yourself now. Let's go on a trip. Let's spend this second quarter looking for impossibilities that we have around what we can and cannot accomplish. And let's start putting effort towards breaking down those beliefs about ourselves. And once we've done that, let's actually go off and let's accomplish that thing. Because nothing will show you that you are capable of anything like doing everything that you once thought impossible. As always, I appreciate your time and your effort. The power of positive energy, release and flow, inclusivity over exclusivity. Thank you all who have been hitting me up on social media and those that I've been able to get back with, have conversations with. For those of you who are still awaiting, please just give me time and be patient. Other than that, just know that I care. I care deeply that you guys start to realize that no matter what, your program looks like. If it's working for you, then it's working. And the parts that aren't working, let's start putting some effort towards those. Because every single day is the best day of your life because you woke up sober. So let's go and let's make the most of it. See you next week. Bye-bye.